Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Per sources close to the situation, college football starts next Saturday, and it's time to start previewing the conferences, and today is all about the SEC. Kyle, welcome. Next Saturday, huh? Yeah. Holy cow. Where did the summer go? Uh, I think we both traveled enough to understand exactly where it went. (laughs) Now, let me be clear. I'm not complaining. I hate summer. There's no football. It's stinking hot. It's miserable. Everybody wants to go out and do everything and drag you away from the tape. I thought you liked summer. I'm surprised that this is a sum, uh, summer's bad rant because I've always said sum, summer's bad. Well, summer is good relative to winter in the north. And I'm not even like that north. Right. But uh, I would rank them fall football, spring draft, summer not trash weather, winter trash weather. Yeah, I think where you live really dictates how bad winter is, right? Yes, winter for you is probably not that, you know, it's it's a more chilly spring. Exactly, and there's still football on, so it's better than summer. So everybody just, yeah, yeah and that's everybody wants to do stuff in the summer. I want to sit on my ass, that's what I want to do. <laughs> oh, Kyle, I think, you're, I think you're deep down, you're an outdoorsman. I mean, yeah, I have that in me, but it's like, I don't know. I can't, I can't go to beer gardens every weekend and, and go to the baseball game. Like, I just don't have that in me. Yeah. I don't have that energy. I hear you. Um, I'd rather be grinding tape on the SEC. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, shall we? Guess we're going to dig in, huh? Yeah. All right. <sighs> SEC East first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since I think there's – I don't think the um, I don't think the dynamics of this division are as complicated as the West, although certainly I think the, we know who's winning the West. But as far as the East, you got realistically probably two contenders, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't – Yeah, I mean, who else is going to get into that mix? I mean, Kentucky had a really good year last year, but – I mean, it's it's Kentucky. They they had a great year, and you just know they're not replenishing talent like, you know, the upper Josh echelon. Josh Allen and Lonnie Johnson, you know, two top fifty five picks. Well, and Derek Beatty and uh, who's the safety? That was a big deal. Mike, Mike Edwards Mike going ninety nine to Tampa. They lost a couple offensive line. I mean, there's just at the running back Snell. I just feel like that's just a team that just has over had too many losses for them to be you know, a team that makes noise in this division in 2019. Not versus 
the talent level that you see at Georgia. And Florida's always had talent. They've just been like a total dumpster fire as far as trying to play offensive football. <laughs> you saw them take steps forward at Dan Mullen in 2018, and I think you'll see some of that continue. And I think Florida specifically for me is really interesting because I think they have a lot of team speed and they're really dynamic at the skill positions. I like LaMichael P. Ryan. Um, the quarterback situation, we see LSU win 10, 11 games every single year with bad quarterback play. Yeah. So Felipe Franks being there is not going to be a deal breaker for me to Florida win double digit games this year because they've got a better coaching staff in place, in my opinion. Well, and they proved they can win some games last year with Felipe Franks. I'm certainly not his biggest fan, but I think you can get by and it's not, you might, you're not going to win the SEC, but do I think you can put yourself in position for that Georgia game to be a play-in game for the SEC East, you know, obviously for the SEC East title and then play-in game against Alabama. Yeah, I think I think that Felipe Franks can get you to that point. Um, and like you said there, it's just about the coaching. And the talent's always been there for Florida, but Dan Mullen, in, in terms of what he showed just in one season, what the team looked like, how much better it was in terms of scheme and, and defending scheme and – just players that were struggling for years under the previous Jim McElwain teams, you know, showing signs of life. There's a lot to like about the direction of this football team. Is it, is it ready to take down Georgia? And I think that's the big question. I'll tell you what, I'm looking at the schedule. They play Miami on the 24th, which Dub. <laughs> is going to be a win, right? Like Miami just announced this morning, I think earlier this afternoon now, that uh, they were going to be starting not Tate Martell, uh, which you hate to see. <laughs> Tate talked all this trash, uh, lost. He decided to, to leave Ohio State and go to Miami and then lost to a redshirt freshman for the starting quarterback. Uh, but with that situation and the inconsistency that Miami has, you know, they're, they're very experienced on defense, but uh, offensively, um, no, the quarterback position, I think, is – and Florida's got a good defense. Let's give Florida's defense some credit between Zaniga, uh, Reese, and, and Henderson. They got NFL players, and I know that's not all the NFL players they have on their defense right now as far as prospects for 2020, but those being the three guys that I'm most familiar with, they got three NFL guys on all, th- on all three levels of the defense. So they are going to have a lot of pro-ready players, a lot of dynamic difference makers up front, even despite some of the losses that you saw the, the Florida Gators take last year. I mean, the challenging thing is the two teams they play in the West are Auburn and LSU, right? So well, they get Auburn at home at least. Yeah, they do. And, and I mean, obviously they, they took care of business last year against LSU. But, um, you know, it's you wish one of those teams was Arkansas. <laughs> right. LSU is obviously their team they play every year. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, after Alabama, I think – if you already have to play LSU, maybe Texas A&M slash Auburn's the other team you don't want to face. And, you know, look, you could have all the greatest intentions of the world, but if you have a loss in one of those two games, you know, that's going to make that Georgia game an absolute must win. Well, Georgia's going to have to be an absolute must win anyway, because Georgia has Vanderbilt is a road game. Tennessee's a road game. Auburn's a tough road game, but like they have Texas A&M at home. They have the neutral site game with Florida. They have Kentucky at home. They have South Carolina at home. Their toughest game on their schedule 
is probably uh, Notre Dame on September 21st as a non-conference game. Yeah. So they get they get Texas A&M and Auburn as their two non-conference. So they both – look, either team gets to play Arkansas or, you know, Ole Miss or something like that. So it's – we'll have a true champion in the SEC East. Right. Justice is served because the, with the cupcakes these guys are scheduling out of conference with the exception of Notre Dame, like – Five of these six non-conference games are Murray State, Arkansas State, UT Martin, Towson, and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, yeah. And then Florida's got Florida State as a rivalry game as a non. Yeah, Florida's got Florida State and Miami. Yeah, like almost every year. Well, Miami's there. They just brought Miami back. They yeah, Miami. Yeah, but it's it's it'll be like the new thing. Which, how do you sign off on getting rid of that rivalry? I mean, because you play like, in the friggin' thinking? SEC and you got, I mean. It doesn't matter. It's Florida, Miami. I don't know, man. It's Georgia's out here playing Georgia Tech in every year. And that's supposed to be this, the same as Florida State, Miami, when they're filling it up with, like you said, Murray State, Arkansas State. Well, to their credit, they're playing Notre Dame. That was only like a, a home and home, right? That they split over three years. They had a year uh, on, a yeah. year off, and a year on. Yeah, they played last year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Or two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. yeah. They played in Notre Dame two years ago, and that was like the game that we thought was going to ruin. Um, no, that was the game McGlinchey gave up the sack at the end of the game to lose yeah, the game. everybody. And then he was a seventh-round pick. Yeah, and then yeah, he can't play anymore. Over that. <laughs> How about Tennessee? I, I, I know that you – see, you, I've been following your takes. Your, your, ten, your Texas is back. Michigan ain't it. Where are you at on Tennessee? I think they'll be better than years past. Uh, it really sucks to have this schedule, though. <laughs> you got to play Bama. You got to play Georgia. You got to play Florida. <laughs> right. Every year. Because their they're cross-conference cross, uh, team is always Alabama. Yes. So, like, stick a fork in them for three games automatically. Now, they might steal one against Florida. But typically, hasn't Florida, yeah. like, owned that rivalry? Yeah, especially years? lately. Yeah. But, I mean, they're going to get three wins early on with Georgia State, BYU, and UT Chattanooga, another rim-rocking non-con group. Uh, but then they go to Florida. They host Georgia after the bye week. Mississippi State's a tough out. Then they got Alabama in Alabama. South Carolina, UAB, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt. Like, there's no way this this team wins eight games, right? Unless it's with the bowl game, you know they they can go yeah. eight and five, but there's no, there's no way in their twelve game schedule they're winning eight games. Not with Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama, at Kentucky. They at can Missouri win. and home against South Carolina. They can win some of those games, but yeah. they're gonna have to win the first three and win the last five to get to eight games, eight wins, right? Yeah, and, I mean if you could find a way three out of four there in the middle. Yeah, find a way to win one of those games in the middle, and you're a nine-win football team. You win a bowl game, you win ten games. Now that's easier said than done, right? Yeah, that won't happen. <laughs> just, I think this is the, this is probably a seven-eight-win football team. Yeah, but I, I, they're getting better. They're getting yes, better. They are. They the are. problem is that they're, they're they're having like decent recruiting classes. Like they'll have like the twelfth class in the nation, but it's the seventh best class in the friggin' SEC. Right, right. <laughs> just sit here and spin your tires. God, man, it's brutal. It's they have to get a quarterback. What, what's going to change things in Tennessee is they have to get a big time quarterback that winds up being like a Trevor Lawrence type player, and all of a sudden 
you know, they they elevate the entire team. They set a new standard at Tennessee, and then they can start recruiting big time. You know, top five classes in the nation again. Is that all they need to do? Is recruit a Trevor Lawrence? That's it. Well, I, look, I think specifically, <laughs> you, you know, you got to get that quarterback right. Like that's going to be the game changer for this program because otherwise they're going to be just like a, a seven to nine win team like they've always been just because the talent in the rest of the conference is so good. I'll say this. This team is more interesting to me than in years past because of from an NFL talent perspective, right? They got uh, Marquez Callaway and Jawan Jennings at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They have Garantano at quarterback. They have Ty Chandler at running back, who's a true junior. Defensively, they've got Daniel Batuli, who I know um, you like Daryl Taylor, right? Yeah, I like Daryl Taylor. Daniel Batuli's not a bad player. He's really good between the tackles, run defender, and he can move. I think he's, he's got to get the mental side down. Okay. And then uh, they also have an eligible safety. Uh, nice. Warrior. So, like, and then this, that didn't even mention Trey Smith, right? Right. Well, and Bryce. We, we, don't, we don't know what his situation is as far as his health with the blood clots, but. Yeah. Bryce Thompson, they have a, a corner there. He's a true freshman, started last year. He's a sophomore this year, true sophomore. He's one of those guys we'll talk and be talking about as a first rounder next year. But I mean, there you go. I mean, that, that's seven, eight NFL prospects on the roster. That's that's a terrific turnaround from where this program was three years ago. Exactly. Yeah, when Tennessee wasn't even getting players drafted. I mean, like, what the hell was that, Butch Jones? Well. Eh. Who was before him? Like Derek Dooley, Lane Kiffin. This this team's been through a lot since they said goodbye to Phil Fulmer. You know who else is, has some nice draft talent this year? Who that? Vanderbilt. Yeah, offense, right? Vanderbilt has Keyshawn Vaughn, who's a really fun running back. Very dynamic. Uh, they have Jared Pickney at tight end, uh, who's probably going to be one of the best three or four tight ends in the class. Uh, they have Kalijah Lips, uh, Lipscomb, who reminds me a little bit of Marquise Lee uh, in Jacksonville. As far as like his smoothness, he might not be like the most explosive in and out of his breaks, but he's really smooth. He catches the ball clean. He's a you know, very crisp route runner. Um, enjoy watching those guys play football. And then they have Riley Neal transferring in from, what was it, Ball State? Yeah. Well, have you watched enough of him to have a feel? He's a two-way, a two-way threat. Uh, athletic. He's got a live arm which I like. Um, I don't think he's particularly polished mentally. So uh, I do, I will say, I think it's very important that he's going to a team like Vanderbilt where they can lean on the run game and they got a crisp route runner in Liscomb and they got a big body tight end that like, there will be more margin for error for Riley Neal than what there was at Ball State. Interesting. That's going to be a fun offense, which is like not yeah. normal for Vanderbilt, right? Like four NFL, like four legit, like <laughs> this year NFL prospects on offense—they're all seniors. Yeah, I mean, are they this year's Kentucky, or are we getting crazy? No, 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 no. I don't think they have the defense to back it up. Yeah, I think they could win seven, eight games. They were six and seven last year. I think they'll be in the same ballpark. Yeah, that's why it's like when you looked at that Tennessee schedule at the end. It's like, oh, if they could just beat South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, well, well, you know, it's That's not an easy out, right? Right, right. They're at least average teams. They're not cupcakes. Right. They're not Rutgers and you know those type of Kansas type teams. You have anything on uh, Missouri? No, I don't have anything on any Missouri prospects. Alberto, Okuwebunam. Oh, it's not true. I have Okuwebunam, and he's not good. Oh, 
Very disheartening to find out he's not good. You watched the tape, huh? I did watch the tape. I did it on grind time. And uh, oh, did you? Okay, I missed that one. Yeah, he was stale. Did not did not move well. Um, you sure you wasn't watching the other tight end that was at the Shrine game? No, I'm sure. <laughs> I was watching 81. Um, he reminds me of like less athletic Jason Morrow. Oh, what? That's the weirdest thing I thought I expected you to say right there. Well, it's like you watch him and his usage at Missouri, where he won and like where he was successful was a lot of the same ways you saw Morrow win at Texas A&M as far as like working underneath and, and the times that they bumped him outside out wide and, but he just, there's no burst and no quickness. And I'm really concerned. We have Kelly Bryant though on this team. We do. We do. I hope he does well. Um, and I'm rooting for him. I know there, there was a big much ado about uh, whether or not Clemson should have given him a national championship ring. And I don't want to get into that whole mess, but I'm rooting for him because he made a difficult decision to walk away from Clemson to extend his eligibility. Because right. if he would have stayed on the team, he'd be out of eligibility. Be, he would have had to, to bank off of a year and three games of starting for his resume to try and get into the pros. He made the best decision he possibly could to extend his, his football playing career outside of college. Uh, real quick on South Carolina, Jake Bentley returns for his 10th season. He's still bad. God, man, jeez. He's got some good receivers. Brian Edwards and Shai Smith's a really fun slot. Um, they've got a de- an offensive tackle uh, that I know some NFL scouts were, were trying to talk him up. Uh, Dylan Wanham, he's a right tackle. I don't, he's a sophomore. Not sure if he's a redshirt sophomore, but uh, that he's – relation to D- – Yes, yes, and they like him better. Uh, oh, they like him better. They like the younger one better than D. Yeah, yeah, they're really different body compositions, man. Um, and then Kinlaw, I mean, Kinlaw, wasn't he Dane Brugler's like number two or T two? Yep. Yeah, for the entire PT2. year uh, class going in. So I peaked I mean, him a little bit. He's got traits, right? But I, I don't know if he's not there for me. Yeah, uh, it's like he—he's almost like what Rayshon Gary was at a different position coming into last year, right? Yeah, it's like. You know, the guy's clearly got traits, and he's he's a physical specimen, but can he put technique into his game? J.C. Horn, uh, number seven, their corner out there. He's a sophomore. He's got some talent. So, I mean, Will Muschamp has – What's that? What about Brunson? What about uh, T.J. Brunson? I wish I, I wish I felt more comfortable talking by him. I need to watch him a little bit more to, okay, to get a feel. that's fair enough. And I've seen a little bit of him in passing because I'm like you. When I saw that, that Dane had Kinlaw – DT2, I was like, all right, I got to watch some South Carolina. Yeah. So I'm watching Kinlaw, and like, I saw just enough of Brunson to be aware that, like, this is a, coming, a senior this, this year that's going to be on people's radar. Yeah. But uh, when I'm watching a guy, like, I really like to just, like, watch the guy. I can't watch if I'm specifically trying to take notes on a guy and, and come away with impressions on different guys. I've tried. Yeah. Man, I've been trying that too. Like, try to, like, watch a unit and have, like, two or three names down. And before you know oh. it, you're just not getting the right feel, and you're right. wa- you're watching more tape. It's you can't I can't do it. Maybe other people can. Uh, did we forget anybody? I'm sure we did. Yeah, the the West. We haven't got to the no, West. No, 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 Kentucky. We didn't talk about Kentucky. <laughs> we just briefly mentioned like who they lost. Yeah. Is there anything exciting do about? Another, do they have another corner? I, they every one of them got drafted last year, so. <laughs> He didn't play much if if they do. Yeah, no, you're right. It's like all sophomores in their secondary. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a tough year. 
Um, well, Joe, before before we get to the West, because we do want to get to the West, we're actually doing really well. We're at 19 minutes so far. I'm talking <laughs> a couple minutes of preview and uh, then talk about the uh, SEC. So we do need to pick up the pace a little bit, but that's okay. Before we go any further, I want to talk to everybody about today's sponsor of the show. I want to talk about sex, good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Here's what you need to do. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You could take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your free, first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Shall we talk about the West? Yes. All right. Alabama's going to win. Got it. Okay. No. Dude, they got 12 freaking prospects this year. It's unbelievable. Is that it? I got to watch this edge they have with Terrell Lewis. Have you watched him at all? Uh, enough to know he's draftable. Damn it. Not enough to have any firm uh, impressions, but I have watched Judy Ruggs, Smith, Leatherwood, Tua, Najee Harris, Anthony Jennings, Raekwon Davis, Dylan Moses, Trayvon Diggs, Xavier Mc- Like It's the whole team again. That's, that's more than 12, I'm pretty sure, Kyle. It's the whole team. And it's not just the, the whole team. It's the best court. Like, Arguably the best quarterback, two of the best three receivers. This is just crazy. Nine, ten. I named ten names, oh, and, I, like- and that that didn't include Terrell Lewis, and I didn't mention Shaim Carter, who I haven't watched enough of. Right. What like? <laughs> My God, I don't want to watch another fifty hours of Alabama tape again this year, but I'm going to have to. That was the problem last year for me with Alabama. It took me so long to get a feel for their guys because they were never playing competitive football games that mattered until like late in the season. So I was like behind. I I wouldn't even say I'm behind. It's just like, how many times did you watch the national championship game last year? Oh, are you kidding? 20? I mean, between Alabama and Clemson, yeah. I probably watched the national championship 20, 25 right. times last year. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. I don't want to – we're going to have to. <laughs> They're going to have some guy that's not even like on the two deep who's going to be drafted this year. I mean, Quinn and Williams pretty much came out of nowhere. He's like right. the number three pick. Best player in the draft. So buckle up. Another three weeks of grinding Alabama tape in January before I get to any other team. I like rugs, though, man. man. I like rugs. I mean, you got to like all of them. I know, but I, I just feel like I feel like for some reason rugs isn't getting the hype. How about I did a scouting report on Jalen Waddle only to find out he's not eligible? <laughs> God, I man. When you said that, I remember you talking a lot about Waddle one day. I'm like, wow, like he's really dialed in. Like, why? 
Nobody thought they would, <laughs> they would tell me. Jeez, man. <laughs> There's nothing worse than doing a report. I mean, look, it's all fun. We have the greatest jobs in the world. But, like, when you could have done a different player that actually was part of the mix for this coming draft class. Correct. You know, it's like it's it's it becomes just allocation of time and just being mindful of it. So when you do guys that aren't eligible, you're like, man, damn it. Collective groan. It's like watching a guy in like October and then because they got hurt and then they're like, yeah, I'm coming back to school next year. That Purdue defensive tackle. It was like three years ago. It was the first player I wrote up. I and then he retired. About Lorenzo Neal. No, whatever that one was like three or four years ago. He wound up retiring. I don't know. He was PFF loved him like the greatest score they ever gave a guy. Really? Yeah. Do you see they gave Devin Bush a 70 for the preseason game against Tampa this weekend? Careful. Oh, what, are you going to get on the soapbox? I feel like it's the Terrell Edmonds thing all over again, right? Like a couple <laughs> negative plays, like really drug his grade down. I don't know, man. Uh, linebackers, they really just. It's missed tackles is what they, they really penalize. They crush them, right? And I just think it's impossible to play linebacker right now in a lot of ways in the NFL. So, not if you're Devin Bush, ten tackles nah, in the first half. Friggin' beast! Did you man. did you read all the replies to the Draft Network account after that? No, I didn't. I put out. Um, I was on game day duty for that night, and I my, the first one I wrote, I worded the tweet: Devin Bush has wasted zero time imposing his will on Tampa Bay because, like, he put Donovan Smith like straight on his ass. Yeah, I, I saw Smith the point. Yeah. To climb, climb to the second level, and Devin Bush said, no, no. And he, he literally sat him down on his butt. And, you know, JC, our boss, is a big oh, yeah. Tampa guy, so I we have this, this big this big presence of, of Tampa followers for the draft network between him and Trevor. And it was just like there were like 30 replies, and they're all Bucks fans. They're like, check the scoreboard. Why? <laughs> How is he imposing his will if Tampa's winning seven nothing or three nothing or whatever it was? And like they were just like so upset. And I'm like, guys, I'm talking about a play here. Right. Like, right. Man. I don't care that they went down the field. Right. Right. I'm talking specifically about Devin Bush on this play. Right. It was indefensible. And it was like, it was like the entire game. It was just like they were like, oh, Devin Bush. No, he's he's not that good. Why is Tampa scoring points? And it was like they Tampa every time Tampa scored, there'd be like 10, 10 tweets replying to this tweet. Did you see Chris, Chris Long's observation about preseason football? No. Huh. Right, so Chris Long just retired this year, right? Right. And he was this was week one of the preseason, like the first time in his football playing career that he hasn't like had something to do on preseason game days, right? And he just tweeted out, he was like, wow, like you guys really get caught up in your feelings for preseason football, huh? <laughs> did you see um did you see McFangio's comments on preseason football? No. He said, if you like player development, then you like preseason football. If you don't there care you about it, then you don't. <laughs> there you go. The man who's on the sideline coaching in week one of five preseason games for the Denver Broncos with a friggin' kidney stone that he didn't pass. There's yeah. no doubt that he loves himself some preseason football. How about the LSU Tigers this year, Joe? Yeah. We think about this team. I mean, is it, they got guys on defense, right? There's no question there. Oh my goodness, this defense is like – if this was any other conference other than LSU, this would be the best best defense in the conference. But is it, it's the same old story, though. It's like, okay, we know that LSU can play defense and they're going to have to win every game 12-6. to six. Like – 
does there enough juice here on offense for for us to really think that they're a contender in the West? No, there's not. Which is why they're gonna they're gonna lose probably three games. They'll they'll lose to Alabama because they're in Alabama this year. They got to play A and M, who's a tough out. They got to play at Texas, which is a, a very tough out. They got to play Florida at home. They play at Mississippi State. Like there's enough roadblocks here where they'll finish ten and two or nine and three again, but they'll beat somebody big throughout the course of the SEC schedule uh, who's who's on a winning streak and kind of prop themselves up by being an undefeated SEC team. I'm guessing it's probably either going to be Florida or Mississippi State. I hope it's Mississippi State. While you're all chomp-chomp? Yeah, you know, I got a little bit of intrigue this year, you know. Could wipe the dust off of my, uh, my, my Tebow jersey and get excited. Did, where were you at on Rashard Lawrence before last season? Oh, he's good. Very technically refined. I think maybe just the how good of a defensive t- tackle class it was. Maybe it was a good idea for him to go back, but I think he's definitely a player we'll be talking about in the 20 to 40 range. I was going to say, that's kind of my range for him is 40. Top 40 is the perception on him. Uh, from my, he's, he's almost, I don't want to regret saying this, but he gives me some like a little less dynamic Christian Wilkins vibes. So the the Belichick disciples are going to love him. Yes, I don't think there's any question. If you play odd fronts, if you have any two gap concepts at all remaining in your defense, if you want guys that are going to let your linebackers flow free, Rashard Lawrence is going to be very high for you. Where do you want to play him? Where do I want to play him? Yeah, four I or five tech. Yeah. So I'm thinking. He's six six three 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 seventeen. He's like the same size as Christian Wilkins. Yeah. He he's not as he's not as twitched off the ball, and he's not quite as good laterally as what Wilkins was. But a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses to his game. Grant Delpit, top five player, no question. Christian Fulton, top fifteen player. Actually, I still haven't watched Fulton. Man, I got to do it. Come on, I've watched like every other corner, but not Fulton. Stop waiting. I know. I gotta stop. Don't don't get turned off when the like the ten reps a game that they play him in off. Well the uh not where he's good. The content director for the draft network assigned me top ten players in the ACC, so I had to go ACC heavy over the last few weeks to make sure I was ready for that. Well, the content director was instructed that we needed to get some preview types <laughs> stuff up on the website. I know, Kyle. I know, but Christian Fulton's on football is coming. I know. I know it's here. I'm really intrigued by this uh, chase on. The uh, Chasson, yeah, sophomore, right? Yes. Now he missed all last year with a torn ACL, so I believe he's a redshirt sophomore. Oh, I remember him. They were talking about him when Key was there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like he has. He's like the next big thing, and I've seen some training things for or training videos for him. He was all freshman ACC or SEC in 2017. Yep. Uh, and he's wearing 18 this year, so that tells you right there. Right? Yeah, like that's their dude. That's, the, that that's their dude. Um, kind of cut from the same cloth as um, some of the big, long-armed, athletic pass rushers that LSU has put through in, in recent years. But uh, he seemed pretty advanced as far as being a freshman when he played relative to some of their other guys, like Kiki Mingo, right? Like Mingo was really raw and really light. This kid's 250 already. 
So that's a name to circle. If we want to talk about a guy that's going to, quote-unquote, come out of nowhere, this might be a name. I just need to figure out how to pronounce it. So he's technically eligible then, right? Correct. He was all SEC in 2017, and he missed all of last year with the torn ACL. So he, this is the type of player that nobody's mocking in the first round right now that, like, if you start sneaking him in, you're probably going to look smart. Yeah, because he's going to have a great first six weeks of the season, right? He's going to – Georgia Southern, Texas. Uh, Texas, actually, they're they're flipping uh, Cosme, I think, is changing sides of the offensive line. So he's going to be switching from either left to right or right to left. I don't remember which one is off the top of my head. Um, so there's going to be an opportunity there with the guy that hasn't had a ton of reps on the side that he's playing. Northwestern State at Vanderbilt. Then they got Utah State which everyone will be watching because Jordan Love will probably sack Jordan Love twice. Like <laughs> you're going to get to mid-October and everyone's going to be all over this kid. Yeah. We'll see how he does. Then their big SEC stretch comes. and Yeah, because then they got Florida, Mississippi State, Auburn, off week Alabama. So we'll yep. find out. Yeah. That's fun. Well, remember, Kyle Krabs told you on August 12th about Chase on. Chase on. Unless it's not how it's pronounced. And then I wasn't the one that said it. Or if he just says, if he wasn't, if he's not good, then also didn't, didn't come from this podcast. Right. Um, Auburn, Derek Brown, good player. I was yes. Top 10 player in the class. Derek Brown, Ben Solak, Trevor Sykema. If they They just listen to draft, you know, that helped them. They, um, they gave me top 30 as a range. That's so bad. So bad. This guy's got like Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox type ability. Auburn's also got a couple guys on the other side of the line, too, by the way. The Prince? The Prince and Jack Driscoll, too. Oh, I didn't watch Driscoll yet. He's good? Yeah, yeah, he's a transfer. From? Redshirt redshirt, uh, senior transfer from UMass. From UMass. He's he's interesting. I didn't say he's good, but he's interesting. We got guys transferring it from UMass and starting at right tackle for the Auburn Tigers in 2019? Wow. This offense is going to be weird. Always is. You, you no, know, you're gonna have no idea. I have no idea what I'm gonna get. <laughs> right, because they went from who was that quarter that uh that dude that Nick Wilson Nick um the guy that was before Driscoll. Or not yeah, Driscoll, he, played, he transferred to D B and played corner for like yes. a year for Jacksonville. You go from that guy to Driscoll, or I keep saying Driscoll. To Stidham? To what where, where are we going now? And now it's uh Joey Gatewood. Okay. He's listed as the starter right freshman. now. Freshman shirt freshman. Okay. 6'5, 233. Really? Is he Cam 2.0? We need to learn about Joey Gatewood. That's all I know. I'm gonna I got I'm gonna look him up right now. He rushed he passed for fourteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns and rushed for eleven hundred yards and sixteen touchdowns as a senior in the uh Florida uh seven A high school level. He's a four-star, dual-threat guy. Rivals in two, four, seven sports. He's also got a track and field. Got something here. Fast. That's fun. They're going to get him back on schedule. They're going to run a little bit more of that. Cam Newton offense, man. Buck sweep, triple option, QB power. Let's go. Beat Georgia. We just, we just solved the riddle. <laughs> we figured out what Auburn's offense is going to look like this year. <laughs> Uh, what else is in this division? Mississippi State got some players, right? Like, but what they should be better at quarterback, right? Now that Fitzgerald's gone, 
No, but there's some young players that are going to be they, in the Believe mix. it or not, they actually like because they have uh, Nick uh, Stevens, Tommy Stevens transferring in from Penn State. Yeah, but is he going to start? I don't. I don't know. Our, our lads has a man by the name of Keaton Thompson. Yeah, but they also don't have Tommy Stevens on the roster. All right. Well, maybe Tommy Stevens isn't going to be part of this mix. They got Daryl Williams, good good interior offensive lineman. He'll be a, at least probably a day yes. two pick. Yes, I agree. Um, uh, Cam Dantzler at corner. He's a fan. Have, he's a favorite um, of Jordan Reed. They have a wide receiver too, don't they? Gidry. Maybe so. I haven't. I haven't done much work on him. Keelan Hill. Have you watched him? I've heard some some uh, mixed opinions on him. The running back. Yeah, I know. I know he he has fans, and I believe he's pretty dynamic. But I haven't seen enough of him to like have a strong grasp. But I I know there's people that have questions about like his running instinct. Yeah, yeah, like Darwin Thompson type stuff. Yes, which Darwin, you know, Darwin's going to thrive in Kansas right. City. Everyone's going to lose right. their minds, but it's in Kansas city. Like right. they're going to run four and five wide all the time. And like the spacing is going to really minimize your reads at the line of scrimmage. Right. But like good for Darwin though. Like seriously, good for Darwin. It's a perfect fit for a right. guy who is a really dynamic straight line runner and is good catching the football. Kansas city's a perfect fit for you. Errol Thompson, their inside linebacker is a guy that pops each and every time I watch Mississippi state. Now I'm not sure if he's not like a Deshaun Davis downhill thumper type guy, but he's a physical presence in the middle of that defense. I, I got to get a feel for his range. We can talk about uh, Texas A&M yet. I have nothing to say, with all due respect, I have nothing to say about Arkansas, and I have nothing to say about Ole Miss. Um, well, I guess Arkansas, what, we're moving along with Chad Morris, and so they're going to be a, a really different-looking football team than what we saw under Bielma, spread wide open, fast-paced offense, and then – They get an offensive tackle, right? At old, at Arkansas, yeah. Don't they always? I'm not familiar with yeah, like who that is. But then well, the other team was um, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. I, oh, Longo's gone. Longo is at uh, North Carolina. So Colton Jackson was the the offensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. So yeah, Ole Miss. We'll see. I think I think that they need. Man, they had so much talent last year, and then they just had bad coaching, and I don't know if Matt Luke's the guy. I can tell you right now, Matt Luke's not the guy, if that's what you want to know. But Texas A&M's interesting, at least. Yes, they are. Jimbo's second year, this poor team with this poor schedule. Oh, my God. It's it's We've impossible. We've talked about it already. Yeah. But, like, I'm looking at some previews right now. People are still predicting Texas A&M to go 10-2 and two or 9-3. and three. There's yeah. no way. You got to play at Clemson, home against Auburn, home against Alabama. You got to play at Georgia and at LSU this year. Oh, by the way, Mississippi State is also on the schedule, and so is South Carolina. Yes. Good luck. If you assume the best, the absolute best is nine and three. It'd be a lot like last year, where the record wasn't as good as the team was on the field. Correct. But you know Jimbo is going to get this thing going here. They've got talent. I mean, that receiver is fun. Uh, Kendrick Rogers, is he going to get more opportunities oh, or what? I hope man? so. And Courtney Davis isn't bad either. Yep. 
Number so number one and number thirteen, the wide receivers for AM. They're both redshirt juniors. Kendrick Rogers looks like he was built in a lab. Right. He's freaking like oh my goodness. And like he was the guy that caught the ball. I don't remember who it was against. But you remember LSU. he got like bent over backwards? Was it against LSU? I think it was LSU, yeah. And he caught the ball in midair and like the guy went to tackle him and he went low. Like his legs got pinned underneath him and he like rolled over backwards and you're like, oh, well, there went both his ACLs. But like he rolled off and like he was down, but barely. But he like got up and ran down the field and you're like, how did that guy do that? You should be able to bend. Like it was like watching Simone Biles do that triple <laughs> like flip thing she did yesterday, which is just like mind blowing. Way to bring her in. She deserves a shout out today. Yes, she does. Um. They got a defensive tackle, uh, Justin. Yeah, that guy. Mamba Duke, yeah. Some buzz on him entering the season. Joe, we did we did pretty well. We're at 40 minutes. Yeah, we're going to get fired. We're supposed to. What does the dude limit, like 32 minutes? Yes. It's frowned upon to go beyond 32, but we have diehard listeners, so I'm Kyle, very confident I, that everybody that started is still listening. I went 49 on Locked On Bills today. Wow. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine listening to a 40, I'll say 42 because I can rap in the next 90 seconds. Imagine listening to a 42-minute podcast. People do it. I can't. I cannot. (laughs) Which is why we're going to sign off now because with the uh, ad placements we're going to have before and after the show, this is probably going to be over 42 minutes. So I screwed myself. If we don't come back on Tuesday, you know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, Draft Dudes. Takes on takes us tomorrow. Uh, we got a lot of takes already queued up and ready to go. So if you have takes for next week's show, get them to us now. You can reach us at the Joe Marino at Grinding Tape. Thanks as always for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.